Hey, Real Life Church family, good morning. So thankful that you're leaning in with us during this season. Actually, for those of you that went to uh, Sunday nights at New Season and heard me preach, you know I was fired up. They actually, right before I got up, said I had about 20 minutes to preach, so I had to cut my message uh, in half. And I just felt led of the Lord that I needed to teach and preach through that message this morning. So if you were there last Sunday night, you're going to hear some of, the, some of the things that I touched on, but I'm actually going to teach and preach the entire sermon this morning. And the question that I want to start out with and challenge us with is this. The Holy Spirit whispered this to me last week. It was this, if not now, when? If not now, when? John 13 35 says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Listen, I believe, especially as the elections approach, we're going to, as a body, going to have to love one another intensely. Listen, polarization has crept its way in the church so much that we're canceling one another on social media, which by the way, I would just do what I'm doing. I would just cut back on your social media. I would just take a break. Listen, starve yourself fast from social media during the season. It will be healthy for you. Don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let it get you upset. Don't let it steal your joy. And we're gonna talk more about you know, the elections and and politics. We're going to address those things through our truth talks in September. But listen, if not now, when? If, if, we're, if, if there was ever a time where we needed to love one another intensely, and I'm talking about unconditional love, the love that, listen, even though, listen, the love that overlooks and covers, listen, a multitude of sin, Listen, this is what we have to walk in, God's unconditional love. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Does your love run that deeply? That's a challenging question. Does your love, is your love that deep? Is your love that wide? Does your love have that type of dimension to it? that it's able to get you through this season unwounded. It's, it's, it's going to get you through this season unoffended. If not now, when? Jesus, again, we covered this several weeks ago. Jesus prayed that He would be glorified. Jesus prayed that we would be sanctified. And Jesus prayed that we would be unified. And we've got to pray those things. Jesus, be glorified. Jesus, be sanctified in my life. Jesus, be unified. And he prays this prayer in 1721, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. You see, if we really, be if we really believe that our love for one another would be proof to the world that we were His, 
if we really believed our unity would cause other people to put their faith in Christ, if we truly believed our love for each other would cause people, listen, to abandon everything and trust Him, listen, shouldn't that kind of love cause us to leave everything that is familiar, everything that is comfortable, the same old, same old, the things that keep us isolated, the things that keep us separated, the things that keep us segregated. Listen, wouldn't our love for Christ, listen, call us out of those things? And I believe, listen, the Holy Spirit is asking His church, if not now, when? My challenge to you this morning before we dive into the word is shouldn't the love of God and our love for one another draw us together in this season? Listen, if polarization is happening in the world, should polarization be happening in the church? I think not. You see, I believe this is the opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ Listen, to come together so the world will see the clearest image of Jesus they've ever seen. You see, if not now, when? What would happen, listen, if I let go of those things that were keeping me from loving you? What if I were to let go of those things that were keeping me from loving God? Here we are, church, five months later, and most pastors and churches I talk to are doing just fine. God's taking care of his church. How many of you know God is going to take care of his church? But my concern is that the church will emerge post-COVID exactly like we entered into it. If we're fighting, listen, if we're fighting and resisting and holding on to an old Wineskin. Now, that doesn't mean you throw out everything that we used to do or you throw out the gathering. I am not saying that. What I am saying is this is an opportunity to strengthen what Amy and I just talked about, strengthen the prayer life of our church. You say, well, my prayer life is good. But how as a church are we at corporate intercession. Listen, the things that God has spoken over this house is going to have to take a new level of intercession if we're going to see those things fulfilled, serving and outreach to others. That was an area. Hey, we're doing great. We've done some great things the last several years. But listen, there is a whole nother level that we can strengthen. And it goes the same for our church from home and our small groups and our communities. Listen, we can get stronger in all of those areas. And I believe with all my heart that this is the season. And church, I just want to challenge you. What are we willing to let go of to throw ourselves at those things so that we can become strong? Last Sunday night, as I mentioned, and I want to just invite you out every Sunday night, Uh, 7 o'clock at New Season. It's a powerful kingdom gathering, and and I'm just looking for a kingdom move. I I love Real Life Church. I'm passionate about Real Life Church. I'm passionate about our community, but I'm also passionate about our city. One of the things that they asked me when I was interviewing for this church is, do you have a passion and a heart for the citywide movement? And I'm just saying, now is the time for a citywide kingdom 
movement. So listen, if you, if you have the opportunity to come on out and join us, you can get socially as distanced as you want to be. You can sit in the far corner of the field where no one will bother you. You can wear a mask, whatever you want to do. But listen, don't miss the move. All right. Don't miss what God is doing in this season. I believe the possibilities are endless if the intensity of our love for God and for one another will cause us, listen, to leave the thing that is keeping us apart or the thing, listen, that will keep us apart. And we're going to, again, be talking about these in our truth talks, some of these things that are keeping us apart. We're going to be talking these, about these and addressing these issues in our truth talks that will be coming back in September so as we dive in the message today, I want to look at 1 Chronicles chapter 28. King David gathers his leadership and his administration to give him the final instructions before his death of how he's going to transfer the kingdom to his son Solomon. There's going to be a shift and there's going to be a transition in leadership. And David gathers his leaders in 1 Chronicles 28.2. He says this, Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. And I made preparations for the building. But God said to me, you may not build a house for my name. First Kings 8, King Solomon said this about his dad, King David. He said this, but the Lord said to David, my father, whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. This is what I want to tell you. Listen, if you're at a place, listen, maybe you've been holding on to a dream that you've never realized. Maybe you're holding on to a dream that never manifested or came to pass. Listen, I just want to encourage you. You've done well to keep that dream alive in your heart. Just because you haven't seen it fulfilled in your lifetime doesn't mean it's not going to be fulfilled. And that's what I want to talk to you about Today, verse 19, nevertheless, you shall not build the house, but your son who shall be born to you shall build the house for my name. Talking about Solomon. I want to just talk to the over 50 crowd for just a moment. If you're 49 and under, I want you to lean in and listen to because it's not going to be too long and you're going to be 50 just like I turned this year. The first thing I want to just say really quick to the over 50 crowd, and it's really one thing, it's this, we have a responsibility to refuse to build what God has put in our heart and raise up and release the next generation to do it. Now, before you turn me off, I need you to hear me out. I believe we have the greatest opportunity right now to witness one of the greatest generational transfers of authority and leadership in the body of Christ that I believe will release one of the greatest movements we have seen in a very long time in the body of Christ. I believe it's going to become as a discipleship movement. And I believe God is calling many of us to shift our mindset from doing and building, listen to me, 
from doing and building to fathering and mothering. Listen to me, over 50 crowd, we need the fathering heart. We need your mothering heart. This generation desperately needs to see the heart of the Father beating through your life. And the way we've got to do that, listen, we've got to stop building. We've got to stop doing. We've got to get our head up and start looking to the next generation and pouring into them and guiding and counseling and pouring into them and allow them to put their hands to the plow and allow them to do it and celebrate them as they do it. You see, I believe the most courageous thing we can do as a previous generation is successfully hand off a fully prepared dream to a generation that's dying to do it. Now, I want you to hear my heart on this. Some people will hear this message and say, oh, praise the Lord. I just get to stop what I'm doing. Hallelujah. No, I'm not talking about a drop off. I'm talking about a handoff, right? A quarterback who has a backfield, running backs in the backfield. He has to make sure that his running back has secured the ball before he lets go. And that's what we have to do, church. We've got to make sure that the next generation securely has the vision, securely has the dream in their hands. Listen, so they can run with what God has put in our hearts to do. Let's stop making our sons and daughters perform and give. And let's stop dangling the carrot in front of them and give them full responsibility and authority to accomplish a fully prepared dream they are willing to give their lives to. Listen, what God wants to do in real life, what God wants to do in every church in Sacramento is going to take more than one generation to do it. And one of the things that we have to understand, one of the things that God spoke to me at the beginning of the year, you remember this, we just did a review several weeks ago just to remind you of what God said. But God said, Dean, listen, I don't think annually, I build generationally. You see, we've got to change our mindset every time. We can't just start over every year, right? I was seeking God. God, what's your word? What's your word? He said, Dean, don't think annually. I need you to think generationally. We can't start over every year. We've got to have a kingdom building mindset from generation to generation to generation. So we're not always starting over. I believe that's God's heartbeat. You guys know I just turned 50. It's funny because I know many of you still think I'm a young, inexperienced leader, and so I had to grow a beard out for some of you so you guys could see my gray and appreciate all my wisdom over the years. But anyway, many of you, I've talked about this before, I have a binder at home full of prophetic words from, uh, for Amy, for myself, uh, for us as a couple, for our family. It dates all the way back to when we first got saved and went to Genesis Discipleship Training Center in 89, 90, 91, and it, all up into the present date, we have created a prophetic binder for our family. And one of the things that I noticed recently were that some of those prophetic words over my life, over Amy's life, 
over our life as a couple, some of those words that we received, I started noticing, started coming to pass in the life of Josiah and Mariah. For example, we got a word about divine acceleration a few years ago that God was going to do some things super fast and he was going to accelerate. And then here's Mariah finishes nursing school in three years. When, pe when people hear that she finished nursing school in three years, they're like, they shake their head and they go, what? You did what? A divine acceleration, a promise of divine acceleration. It also saved me some divine money. Hallelujah. But anyway, listen, we started seeing these promises come to pass in our kids' lives. And this is what I want to say. The prophecy I thought was for me actually was creating my legacy. I want you to hear that again. The prophecy that I thought was for me was actually creating my legacy. That's what prophecy does. Prophecy creates your legacy. In other words, the promises of God are generational from generation to generation. You can read this throughout all the scriptures. God is a God of generations. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promises went from Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob. 14 generations all the way to the coming and the birth of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that takes the pressure off? In other words, the promises of God are generational and they extend beyond my lifetime. They extend to my children, my grandchildren, and my great and my great-grandchildren. The prophecy doesn't end with me. Listen, the prophecy doesn't end with me. It passes through me onto my children. The prophecy doesn't end with me. It carries on through me and creates a legacy. It helps us build differently. You see, when we begin to think generationally, we'll be able to enjoy the promise instead of just endure the promise. The promises of God don't have an expiration date if we think generationally. Sometimes I think we get so um, panicked, we get we start comparing ourselves with other folks. They're doing this. They're accomplishing that. But listen, if we have a generational mindset, listen, I'm, I don't have the pressure of fulfilling ever, every promise that God has spoken on my life. This is, what I this is what I have the responsibility to do, especially my over 50 crowd. Listen, this is what I have the responsibility to. Listen, if I understand that God is a generational thinker, Listen, I just have to set up the next generation to receive what God has given me. Listen, he put it in my heart, but I'm about to hand it off so that they can continue to run with it and they don't have to start over. That's one of the things I said when I first came to real life. Listen, we're not starting over as a church. This church was 12 years old when I got here. We're not starting over. I'm taking the baton from Pastor Scott and Pastor Karen, and we're running. Could you imagine if we started over in, in 2017? Could you imagine if we started over? We'd still be trying to catch up. But no, we, took, we, took, we picked up where they left off. And that's what we have to do for the next generation. We've got to not drop off. Hey, go ahead. You're good. I've done my part. No, we've got to 
hand it off and make sure there's not a fumble. You see, revival, and I know there's a lot of talk about revival right now, and I'm being stirred. I believe that, yes, there is a move of God that is happening. I believe there's a move of God that's coming to our region. But listen, revival was never meant to be God's last-ditch effort to save planet Earth. Revival instead is a lifestyle that understands that your life is ruled by eternity. Listen to what I'm saying. Revival is a lifestyle that understands that your life is ruled by eternity and therefore the promises of God over you, listen, they are not limited to what is temporary. Let me just say that again. Revival is a lifestyle that understands that your life is ruled by eternity. Therefore, the promises of God over your life are not limited by the temporary. You could say amen right there, but I'm going to keep going. From generation to generation, because all of God's promises are yes and amen. And David, here he is. He's surrounded by his leaders. Listen, he knows his days are short at this time. And he gathers his leadership and he says, you know those big plans I had in my heart? You know all the provisions that I have gathered for the sanctuary that God put in my heart to build? In fact, it was in today's economy, $3.28 billion in supplies and resources to build the house of God. He tells them this. He said, yeah, you know all that? He said, yeah, we're not supposed to build it. We're actually, the next generation is supposed to build it. I was reminded of something that Walt Disney said. He said, if you could dream it, you could do it. And that's a great motivational quote. I love that quote. I've read it several times. It's motivated me. But I came to you this morning with a word for my over 50 crowd, just because you dreamed it doesn't mean you have to kill yourself doing it. Instead, we must raise up and release the next generation to do it. Listen, we must run with them until we can't run anymore. One of the things that we've, uh, Mariah and I have done over COVID, we've done it a couple of times because there used to be where I could keep up with her I I try my best to keep up with her. She was a cross-country runner in high school, and I like long-distance running, but my back doesn't like long-distance running anymore. And so I can keep up with her for about the first half mile. Now, we're running two miles a few weeks ago, and the first half mile, I'm like, oh, I got this. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. And then all of a sudden, I feel a twinge in my back, And there goes Mariah. She's not even waiting for her dad anymore. She just takes off. And all I could think of, man, I'm like, run, girl, run. I I remember when I could run like that. Listen, we've got to watch this generation run and applaud them. Listen, when they pass us on by. Come on, somebody. The Bible says your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see dreams. Visions, And this is what I believe. I believe God is going to start bringing visionaries around us, around real life church. I believe God is sending visionaries. If you read that passage in its original language, dreamers are those broad stroke 
type of folks. They just see the big picture. Visionaries, if you do a study on this passage, are the ones who actually bring the details to the dreams. And I believe God is raising up and releasing a generation at Real Life Church that's going to bring the details to our dreams. Hallelujah. And I believe as we deposit in their lives, we're going to see dreams launched from this place. I'm reminded of one of my favorite quotes really a few years ago that I read and really just changed my whole perspective uh, when it came to creating legacy and the promises of God and the prophetic, the gift of prophecy and all those different things. And it was this, it was what Andy Stanley said. He said, the promise that you're pursuing may be fulfilled in the person you're preparing And I go back to that question I asked you in the beginning, if not now, when? Listen, this is the perfect time, listen, to start pouring our lives in other people. Your greatest satisfaction as a leader, your greatest satisfaction as a discipler, your greatest satisfaction as a believer will be seeing someone else build what God has put in your heart. You see, David saw it. David dreamed it, but he understood that he wasn't the one to build it. He had to hand it off to the next generation. Listen, fully prepared and fully resourced. And as a church, we must have that same heart. The second point, and I only got two points today. I want to talk to those 49 and under, because I know if you're 49... You're like me. You're not even thinking about 50 yet, but I'm just telling you, it's coming quicker than you think. But 49 and under, this is what I want to say to you today. What's about to be handed to you is going to release breathtaking breakthrough. What's going to be handed to you is going to release breathtaking breakthrough to the body of Christ. First Chronicles 28, 9 and 10. And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. This is what I want you to pay attention to. Verse 10, be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. He says, be careful. And then he says, be strong and do it. You go down to verse 20. He says, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. How many of you thankful that the Lord is with you? Again, I'm reminding you, if you're 49 and under, be careful, be strong and do it. Be strong and courageous and do it. Let's just start there real quick. Be careful. This is what I want to say quickly. Be cautious with the promise, not reckless with the promise. We all know what happened down the road in Solomon's life. 
He got his eyes off of God. He got his eyes off the principles that his father handed down to him. He got his eyes off of all those things. You can read Proverbs and throughout Proverbs it says, pay attention, my son, pay attention, my son, pay attention, my son. And this exactly is what what David is saying to his son. He's saying, be careful. That doesn't mean to be fearful. It means to pay attention to the vision. Look after the vision as you were looking after maybe a child. Give it attention. Gaze at it. Don't take your eyes off it. Keep the promise in front of you. Fight for the promise. A couple weeks ago, I told you how Paul encouraged Timothy to fight with the prophetic promises that were spoken over his life. And that's what we're asking this next generation to do. Listen, don't leave the praying to the older generation. Young people, young adults, we need you fighting with us. We need you fighting for us. We need you to answer the call to prayer. We're contending for big promises here at Real Life. We're contending for big promises over our city. And we need a young generation that we can hand off come on we can hand off spirit-fueled intercession to see these promises fulfilled come on church we've got to be careful careful doesn't mean fearful we've got to be cautious with the promise not reckless with the promise you guys know that when I first came here I mentioned our prophetic binder that we have as a family Well, I started the same thing for Real Life Church. And so, you know, these prophecies have different, you know, are from different people. Tony Miller, uh, Pastor Sam just gave us one a couple of weeks ago. And so I have, I'm just building, building a prophetic history over Real Life Church. You say, why do I do that? Because listen, I don't know when my time will be up here as pastor of Real Life Church, but when my time is up, listen, The next pastor is not going to have to start over with the promises and figuring out what God is saying and figure out what God is doing. No, no, no. They are going to get a prophetic history of what God has said. How many know we have a responsibility, listen, to tell the generation what God has done and what God has said. And that pastor and his wife and and the next generation, they're going to get a binder full of prophetic Listen, promises over this house that they can do warfare with. They're not going to have to try to figure it out. And so this is so important. And one of the things that that God has spoken over us, and I'm going to keep telling you these things, that there's a holy boldness coming. And God is about to put a holy boldness on this house. And there is a courage coming to say, we can believe God for anything. We can reach people. Nobody else is reaching. And we can do things that have never been done. If we're willing to go after it, God has a plan for this place. And God's going to bring, listen, a comfortableness to being courageous. And so we're contending for promises just like that. And King Solomon, King David tells his son Solomon, he also tells him, be strong and do it. Listen, don't let the promise intimidate you. Allow it to inspire you. Don't let the promise intimidate you. Allow the promise to inspire you. One of the first things I did was reached out to Pastor Scott and Pastor Karen when I came to this church and I said, I want every 
promise you have, any type of mission, anything that God spoke to you about planning this church, I want to know about. And Pastor Karen sent me an email of, of what she had. And it, it was so encouraging. I can't tell you it was so encouraging to know, listen, that I wasn't starting over. Listen, that they weren't just dropping something off on me. No, no, they handed it off to me. They wanted to see Amy and I succeed. They wanted to see this congregation flourish as they went to their next assignment. And I believe we've done a, a good job, church. I really do. But listen, this is the key right here. Don't let the promise intimidate you. Allow it to inspire you. I can't tell you how many people came to me when I first became pastor. And, and the things that they said were things like, oh, you've got huge, huge, huge shoes to fill. And I would just smile. And I would just think about those promises that Pastor Karen sent me. Other people go, oh, you got your work cut out for you. And I would just think about what Pastor Scott told me, told me over Starbucks coffee and encouraged me. See, I wasn't intimidated. I was inspired by the promises that God gave them. And now, listen, they handed them to me. And listen, we've got to run together in these things. The word strong means to become strong to be courageous, to become courageous, to become firm. How many of you have ever went to the gym and you had some flabby areas of your body to work on? You see, when he says be strong and courageous, he's not saying to his son, buck up, boy. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, listen, as you pursue the promise, as you begin to build, you're going to become strong. Listen, you're going to be able to do it. You're going to become stronger and stronger and stronger. Listen, don't let the promise intimidate you, Solomon. Listen, let the promise, let what God put in my heart, don't let it intimidate you. Let it inspire you to do great things for my kingdom. You see, God is going to grow you with the promise, not intimidate you with the promise. In other words, you need the process that comes with the promise to, to develop you for its fulfillment. Why? Because if God just released every prophetic promise that he spoke over this church at once, guess what? We wouldn't be able to handle it. The words that, you know, God has spoken over here like uh, Pastor Sam a few weeks ago, make room, make room, make room, make room. Something's happening. We've had that word several times. And I'm just kind of like, man, it doesn't get bigger than this right now for us. But how do you know when it's time to make room? Listen, God's going to help us expand. Again, I always say he's expanding our heart capacity before he expands our seating capacity. You see, the enemy may confront you, but you've been fully equipped to do what God has called you to do. Listen, 49 and unders, listen, be careful, be strong, be courageous, and do it. As I close, in 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon has this encounter with God. He actually has a dream, and in the dream, God comes to him and he says, Solomon, you know, basically I'm going to grant any request that you ask me. What, what, would, what would you like me to do for you? And Solomon says, give me wisdom. And as you know, Solomon was the wisest king that there ever was on planet Earth. Still to this day, there was no one wiser than King Solomon. 
And actually, the Lord says, now, because you ask for wisdom and not riches and all those things, he says, I'm going to give you above and beyond all that you could ask or think. And with that wisdom, listen, King Solomon received what David had in his heart to build. He took the provisions, the $3.28 billion that were prepared for him to build, and he builds something, listen to this, that gets the attention of leaders from all over the world. I believe what God is building today through his church, through his body, through his bride. I believe what he's building is going to get the attention of world leaders. I really believe that. First Kings 4.34, it says, And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. And I believe God wants us to keep contending for these, this type of wisdom. Church, God isn't calling us to work harder. He's not calling us to work harder. He's calling us to work smarter in this season. I had a friend just call me this last week, a pastor friend of mine, kind of saw what we were doing and asked us how it was going. And to be honest, I mean, church, we're flourishing. I mean, I know we're not gathering and meeting together. That's why we're trying to uh, share stories and testimonies as much as possible, as, as much as they come to us. Listen, we want to tell you all about what God is doing. But he came to me and uh, they did their first in-person service uh, last week. And I said, hey, how'd that work out for you? He said, well, he's all, it was good. And he's all, but if I'm honest, it was actually pretty rough. He said, he said, we were exhausted. He said, he said, I had no idea what it was going to take to set up. And I told, he said, I told our church, uh, before that we were going to do this every week. And he said, after that first Sunday, his staff came to him. He said, he said, Pastor, are we really going to do this every week? And so I had to laugh at them, and they've made some adjustments. They're actually going to be doing something differently. But listen, God isn't calling us to work harder and kill ourselves during the season. The promises of God, listen, are from generation to generation. Listen, that means time isn't running out on us. We can look the way we can look from God's view. We can look from God's perspective. His thoughts are not his thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And when we think generationally, listen, I don't have a deadline to meet because I'm on God's timeline. Amen. First Kings 10, 1 to 5 says, when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, this is one of the leaders that Solomon got her attention it says, when she came to test him with hard questions, she came to Jerusalem with very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. Listen to verse 3. And Solomon answered all her questions. Then there was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain for her. This is what I want to say. I believe we're living in a day, listen, when the church of Jesus Christ has to be walking in this type of wisdom. God never intended the church to have more questions 
than answers. And listen, the complexities that we are facing as a body of Christ. Listen, God is not baffled. God is not confused. He's not wondering what he should do. No, no. He has the answer. We've just got to seek him for the answer so that we can display his wisdom in this time. Verse 4 says, When the Queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his fishes, all the organization, it was just top-notch. It was the excellent of Solomon's wisdom that was God-given that got her attention. And listen to this. You can't miss this. It says, And his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. Did you just catch that? So it was not only Solomon's wisdom, which was incredible. There were, you talk about excellence. I love excellence. But listen, there was a level of excellence that, listen, got her attention. But it wasn't just the wisdom. It was Solomon's worship. And this is what I want to say to you. Listen, this is where the generational transfer happened. Who was the worshiper in King Solomon's life? Listen, he got the wisdom directly from God. But listen, he learned extravagant worship from his father, David. You guys remember David. Listen, David got caught spinning and praising God in his underwear. He was such an extravagant, he was such an extravagant worshiper. And listen, it wasn't just the excellent of Solomon's wisdom that took Queen Sheba's breath away, it was the extravagance of Solomon's worship. And I believe today, listen, we need wisdom from on high. But listen, we need to worship God extravagantly in this season. We need to lean in to the presence of God in this season. Hear my heart, church. 1 Kings Chapter 8 says, Solomon sacrificed sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered. Extravagant worship. You see, it wasn't the excellence of his wisdom. It was the extravagance of his worship. You see, when God's wisdom is on display and our worship is extravagant, it will take the world's breath away. You see, breathtaking wisdom and worship, listen, is going to lead us to breathtaking breakthroughs in the body of Christ. Let me just close with that and say it one more time. Breathtaking wisdom and worship is going to lead us to breathtaking breakthroughs in the body of Christ. Solomon got his wisdom from on high. We need, we need wisdom like we've never needed. We need wisdom from on high like never before. But listen, we also need extravagant worship. Listen, if you're that 50 and over generation that I was talking to, I include myself in that. Listen, listen, we need to worship and thank God like never before in the season and, li and live out a lifestyle of worship so a generation can be encouraged, so a generation can be strengthened. It's almost like when I read this, I can hear King David. Listen, I can see him looking down upon his son and saying, be strong, be courageous. Oh yeah, be careful, but be strong and courageous and do it and do it and do it.
Church, let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for breathtaking breakthroughs, God, that are going to happen from generation to generation to generation. And God, I thank you that we're not on a deadline, but we're on your timeline. And I pray, God, that the prophetic promises that you have spoken over Real Life Church, the prophetic promises that you've spoken over each and every person, God, I pray that we would not become burned out, God, pursuing them in our own power. But Lord, we'd begin to think generationally and we'd begin to disciple and God, we begin to raise up and God, we begin to release a generation, God, that runs, Lord, not behind us, but God, with us and then God, ahead of us. And God, they would be strong and courageous to do, God, what you have called them to do. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.